Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So, for the fourth time that month... I walked out of a meeting with one of my leadership peers at Quill. And if you're not familiar with Quill, it's an office supply provider owned by Staples. I had already met with the head of customer service, the head of merchandising, the head of sales, and the head of marketing. And all four of these male leaders informed me that they had absolutely no time whatsoever to discuss this worldwide web thing. It was the year 2000. Yes, I am clearly dating myself. I knew that the only way we were ever going to grow this new e-business channel was to convince them that doing it online, using this thing called email, oh yeah, it was the right way to sell and serve our customers. And the only way that I could convince them was I had to provide them with facts. I had to provide them with data, with financials, with the dollars that would show them that our 50-year-old company that had been reliant on catalog and the call center, that model would be insufficient in the long run and we needed to transform ourselves. But the problem, no such thing existed for a multi-channel business at this point. We were making it up as we went along. So my personal experience to date, I had been a truck dispatcher. Yes, you heard that correctly. I had been a sales rep, a management consultant, and a marketer. And what I needed now was to build out the financials for this opportunity, and I had no clue where to start. So I reached out to my finance partners, thought leaders, And we did that. We built a pro forma. And that's where my journey began in teaching myself, teaching myself the value in that P&L, that balance statement, oh yes, and cash is queen, most importantly, that cash flow statement. We built those statements which supported the business case. And long story short, you know what? We grew that business from over $29 million in sales to over eight. million hundred million dollars in sales in just a couple of years. Now, not going to say that those financial statements were the sole reason for our success, but the facts clearly swayed them. And most importantly, by being able to look back and look forward, it guided us. So business decisions are made with your brain, they're made with your heart, and they're made with your gut. But all three of them need to be fed by data. So today, We're going to share these incredible stories surrounding the value of data found in financial statements and why all leaders, and particularly women, should not be daunted by them, but we should embrace them. We should educate ourselves in this area, and we should seek roles that expose us to this financial knowledge and provide us with this invaluable experience and guidance. I am joined by the most incredible group of leaders today, and they're going to share their stories as to how they challenge themselves by educating themselves, by tackling roles, which provided them with this very financial knowledge and experience. And as they say in the business world, how they bossed up. So let's roll. I'm going to introduce our incredible group. We have Val Oswald, Executive VP and President at Campbell Snacks of the Campbell Soup Company. We've got Molly White, GM and VP of Taste Elevation. I love that, Molly, at the Kraft Heinz Company. Our very own Carol Jones, VP Finance and Admin at the Network of Executive Women. And my co-host today, Carrie Ann Gomez, VP Strategic Value at New. And I am Sarah Alter. I'm your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast and CEO and president of NEW. In today's show, we are going to demystify what a P&L role is and the importance 
of bringing women and people of color into these positions. So Carrie Ann, let's roll. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thrilled to be here today with these amazing women. I'm gonna share my story of why we're having this conversation today. So I, back earlier in my career, I got an MBA and the advice that you, you get is that you really need to manage a P&L um, to be a general manager, to run a business. And everybody repeated that. You have to manage a P&L. Yeah. You, you have to run a P&L. I'm not sure actually anybody could have told me what a P&L was. I don't think people, not everybody knew what it meant. It just you had to manage one. And that was a really important piece of getting to be a, uh, getting to be a general manager. And so over the course of my career, I realized I was managing P&Ls and that uh, a lot of women uh, don't know that they are managing P&Ls or even what the path is to a P&L. <coughs> So we are here today to de demystify that. I'm thrilled to, to have our guest here today. So let's start with Molly. Tell us, how did you, how'd you end up where you are today? Tell us your path to managing panels. Great, sure. So I'll start with saying I have a bit more of like a linear traditional path, um, but not required um, for others in panel management. Um, but so I knew early on, um, since I was um, a young child, I always loved numbers and statistics and calculators are one of my favorite toys. So like a weirdo kid, <laughs> but let's just be honest there. Um, and then as I grew, I also found some more loves. I love psychology. I um, mean, you know, like what makes people think and act the way they do? Why are they so irrational? Yeah. Um, and I love Target, still do, like the moment that came to my world that like changed everything. And so with those three loves, there's no better place to go than consumer products, right? Um, and so that took me into the industry that I've been in for my full career. And I started with a rotational program. Um, and I think that was so key and so critical. And Absolutely. one of the things you'll hear, yeah, like, I think the idea of seeing different, seeing those different sides, those different roles, understanding the business from different perspectives um, was like the best place to start. So I did sales, I did finance, um, I did market research, and I did the marketing. And um, my love of numbers kind and psychology took me into then working for a um, market research firm, um, which fit really well with skill set. But I missed owning the decision. I realized how important that is for me. Like, I don't just want to recommend something. I wanted to see it through. And that's why, like, you know, I wanted to see that hit shelf. I wanted to see it there. So I ended up going back to get my MBA. Um, and knowing that, I was like, I want to run a business. Didn't, you know, like maybe like what kind and all those different things. I don't know if I viewed it the same as Carrie Ann of I want to run a P&L, but I want to run a business. And when you're running a business, that's what you're doing, right? You're running a P&L. Um, and so coming out of my MBA, I spent my whole time at um, Heinz slash now Kraft Heinz and um, worked in various different size businesses from smaller single P&Ls moving up to now, um, and thank you for liking the name, um, my um, taste elevation, um, I got to name it myself. So it's our sauces and condiments um, portfolio. So think like Heinz Ketchup and Grey Poupon and Miracle Whip and A1, all those fun guys put together. Um, and I've been, I've been loving my, um, my role and um, it's been so fun and so challenging. Um, and I'm kind of in a place where I'm excited, um, feel challenged every day, excited to be where I am. And I also in, you know, preparing for this and talking, excited to be here with Val, who's kind of would be, you know, that would be kind of next steps for me and where, where I want to go in that, that even more full management. Mo Molly, two things. One, embrace your inner geek. I was a total geek growing up. Okay. And two, from here on out, whenever I put my Heinz ketchup and Grey Poupon out, I'm going to refer to them as taste elevators. I love it. Yeah. Condiments is out of my vocabulary. That's what we're trying to do. We want to oh, elevate wow. the taste of your meal. 
Or thought another way, you know, that sandwich or burger is a blank canvas and we're the paint. I love that, Molly. <laughs> now, look, thanks so much. Val, let's, let's hear your path and your story. I love it. Um, Molly, I didn't play with calculators, but my dad is an engineer. And so I was around a lot of numbers, <laughs> whether I liked <laughs> it or not. Uh, he had a lot of fun teaching me trigonometry and sine and cosine and got very frustrated when he realized I didn't quite get it as fast as he did. So probably a little bit of a different experience. But in, in high school, I took my first economics class. And I remember the desk I was sitting at, looking out the window, and my professor talking about on hot summer days, ice cream costs more. And why? And it all just clicked. And for me, the macroeconomics was so clear. And I just, it created a passion for business for me. And I went on to undergrad where I majored in economics. And like many of us, I had to pay my way through school. And I thought, gosh, I love economics, but what kind of job is this going to get me? And so I started taking some accounting classes so I could get a higher paying job at the local tax office where I wound up starting to literally key in tax returns. Uh, so I got quite good at, at keystrokes. And then I wound up dual majoring actually in accounting and economics. <laughs> so I wound up being heavily immersed in numbers and then went on to uh, get my CPA at Deloitte in Manhattan. And then I, I moved actually, ironically, as Molly does know, into crafts in finance, and that's how I started uh, really in finance. And, and I loved it, and finance at the time gave me incredible exposure to the whole business. And the P&L is like a window into the business, right? So from there, I, I, I was so passionate about learning the business that I took many, many cross-functional roles over the life of my career. I've been in finance, I've been in sales, I've been in marketing, I've been in supply chain, I've been in strategy, it was similar to Molly through that time. I got my MBA as well in finance um, at Northwestern while I was at Kraft and also uh, in marketing and strategy. So it allowed me to really broaden my perspective and think even bigger about the business and understand all the interdependencies of the different functions. And ultimately, which has led me to the role I'm in today, which is, you know, president, but it's really general manager of a business. Um, so I love it. I love the background. I, I will admit I am a science geek too. I, I still have my TI-85. I don't pull it out very much these days, but I'm sure you all, you all remember those. Well, and you're, and you're, and you are an engineer, right? I, I am an, by, I am an engineer so by trade. Yes, yes. Another incredible female leader who loves her numbers big time. Yeah. And Carol, let's move over to Carol Jones. Let's hear your story. Well, first of all, I'm honored to be among this group of women today. I'm so inspired. Um, but when I was growing up, my mom was a teacher, and I had two passions when I was in school. One was music, and the other was accounting. So as I was going throughout my you know, elementary, high school years, I realized that I wasn't going to be uh, on stage, uh, a global phenomenon, singing uh, on, you know, through all over the world. So I had to go to my second choice, which was the numbers. So I ended up majoring in accounting in uh, undergrad and um, really loved it, found that I had a knack for just pulling numbers together. And I think the musical element, I wanted to make the numbers sing. So I had to bring music back into it. So I decided to go ahead and go get my bachelor's degree in accounting, uh, started my career in public accounting with KPMG, and then wanted to get more serious into the financial planning and analysis space. Uh, similar to Val, I went back and got my MBA as well at Booth School and really focused on finance and entrepreneurship uh, and worked in some big companies. I worked for United Airlines, understanding fleet mix, you know, how do they, how do the airlines operate? Very capital intensive industry um, and had some great experiences. And then I realized I got to a point in my life where I wanted to work with more mission driven type organizations where I could get more exposure to different aspects of the business, more broad, uh, and a smaller organization where I felt like I could have more impact. 
And that's what uh, led me to New. And I've been with New for seven years now. Um, it's been an incredible journey for me, uh, working with finance and grooming my team as I've gone along. Um, but I think it's, a, it's an interesting, you know, just a path that I took to get where I am today. So I love the mix of leaders we have here today. We have uh, we have two leaders, Molly and Val, who are on different levels in their path to managing uh, managing um, a business or or a series of businesses, and then we have Carol, who's on the finance side, who is supporting those leaders who are managing PLs. So Molly, you talked a little bit about this when you you talked about you you love making decisions, you love the psychology. Can you clearly talk to us about what is a PL role? When we talk about a PL role, what does that mean? Okay. So what I would say to have summarize it is that when you're um, running the PL, you're responsible for what we call the top and bottom lines. So when I say top line, I mean decisions that are going to help you grow revenue, bring more money in. And when I talk about bottom line, it's this um, the other side of it, which is about managing the costs that um, that come along with those revenues and the running of a company. And so, the full P and L ownership would be that you have both sides. Um, and the thing to make that sound less scary is it is just addition and subtraction. There is sometimes we divide to compare things, but there is no fancy math to running that P and L. Um, and then. I would say that while that's a PL ownership, I think about within your current role, you are very likely contributing to one of the two sides. And to think about, you know, how does your role really play into, into either side? And I would say even in a role like mine where I'm responsible for both and making those decisions, I am not the expert. On both. And so I think that like a PL manager is also someone who's in charge and responsible to bring together different perspectives, to bring together the different experts. So when I'm working on how to drive sales, I'm working with my sales team because they're the experts on how to do a lot of that. When I'm working on how to reduce costs, I'm working with my um, R&D team, my operations team, my finance teams. So it's really is like a very collaborative role and you may be the one making the decisions or you might be the one helping support and provide those different recommendations. But the key thing is, and, and I love what you just said, Molly, is that as a, as a member of the company or a leader, you have to be able to demonstrate how your role, you know, what you do ties back to that P&L. Like that will justify your existence, right? Like if you're either driving sales or doing a better job managing expenses or even the balance statement, right? Or the yeah. cash flow statement. It's so key that you be able to articulate, here's why I'm valuable and how I tie, right? Yeah. And like your story in the beginning, where if someone's not listening to other reasons, <laughs> bring in the PL, show them the money, and that should get their attention. Uh, yeah, yeah. It bring in the dollars. <laughs> so Val, talk to us about your your talking about why is that PL so important? You have a bunch of leaders underneath you and you have a number of, of categories and products and businesses that roll up into you. What can you talk about that? How did it get how did all this get you into your role today? So I'll, uh, I'll start with why is um, the P&L important? So if you think about it, you know, as Molly said, it's a window into the profitability of your business, right? So what are you taking in and what are you spending and how much ultimately are you making? The P&L actually gives you a window into why, why that's happening, right? What are you making and why? It's also um, more meaningful to look at the P&L over time. Right? So it's really important to understand what was your past performance, which is also an indicator of your potential future performance. Yeah. It also provides you with an opportunity to understand what levers you need. We'll often say, how are you shaping your P&L? So how are you understanding where those opportunities are? If they're revenue potential, are you investing more in sales um, and your sales leadership team? Um, if there's opportunities to improve your margin, 
Uh, are you looking to understand how to drive more productivity perhaps in your plans or with your, you know, transportation or potentially back with your suppliers um, to make sure you're procuring at a competitive, um, you know, price? And so it's really a window into the entire business. It also is incredibly important for for planning and budgeting. And so if you think about it, your P&L helps you. You can look at a P&L and really dissect what is the strategic plan uh, of an organization based on where they're placing their resources and, importantly, where they're not placing their resources. So if you think about uh, an organization that its innovation is really important, you should see resources placed against R&D, you know, in staffing and in, in testing and learning. Uh, you should see resources placed against, you know, a sales organization that is equipped with what's necessary to sell in that innovation. And so the P&L is also a view into the strategy of the business. You know, and in the, the near term, the way this usually works, you know, usually, especially if you're a public company, your strategic plan is set on a three-year horizon and then your, um, your annual plan, typically we have a budget for one year, and then the P&L helps us track how we're pacing against that, that annual plan. Val, thank you for that window into that insight. Carol, being in a finance role, right, we heard everybody has, a lot of people have either MBAs or finance background or CPA. You're in a support role where you're helping P&L leaders. Can you talk about the role, how P&L leaders can leverage their finance business partner? Talk about, you know, what do you see from your perspective? Sure. And I'd like to piggyback a little bit on what Val said, which was valuable. Um, You know, obviously, knowing your business's financial health is key to budgeting, decision making and ultimately implementing change. So in our organization, being such a small, you know, close knit organization, we rely on our people, obviously, to make make the magic. So what I do is I work cross-functionally with all of our teams, trying to ensure that we have the appropriate resources, we're being smart about the investments and the decisions we're making, because we don't have, we're not a public company, so to Val's point, we don't have all of the regulatory type of required statements that need to be filed. But we still, as Sarah likes to say, and I love this, we operate as if we're, you know, we're for profit, oh, yeah. even though we're not for profit, <laughs> um, because that's the only way we're going to be able to recontribute into our own reserves and our own cash. So I like to work with each of the leaders to make sure that we're thinking smart about how we're using our resources. And to me, what makes a person successful managing a PL is that they're always questioning why. They're always questioning, how can we do things better? How can we drive expenses down? How can we drive revenue up? And our organization being primarily a networking and more of an engagement organization, people are our number one asset. So we have to use those resources very wisely. And I like to just reach across the aisle and make sure that we're collaborating accordingly and, and using those resources as best we can. And, and I'm going to brag a little here on, on Carol, um, not only the P&L, but she's been an incredible thought leader and wing lady on the cash flow statement, right? Because in a smaller organization like ours, sometimes the cash flow is more important than the P&L. It's like, you know, cruising along at 85 miles per hour and then you run out of gas, right? Because you don't have the cash but then the balance statement, right? Because of all of our reserves. So you've done a phenomenal job, um, you know, managing that full suite of financial statements as that window, you know, into our organization and and looking forward. And I love how you pointed that out, Val, because yeah, it's as much about, you know, today as it is, okay, well, what are we equipped to do tomorrow? And, you know, our our SLT team was, just all together. And we talked about, okay, how do we scale? How do we grow? Because that's the more exciting, fun direction, you know, that an organization can take. All right. So we need to take a quick break. So please don't leave us for everybody that's been listening into our Advancing All Women podcast. Please come back after a couple of minutes. Um, You can always check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. And when you come back, you're going to hear from 
all of our guests, like, okay, how do you go ahead then and acquire that knowledge? And as leaders in organizations, how do you make sure that you are encouraging women to gain this knowledge and gain this experience? So we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's newonline.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. I am joined today by the incredible group of Val Oswald, Executive VP and President Campbell Snacks at Campbell Soup Company, Molly White, GM and VP of Taste Elevation at the Kraft Heinz Company, our very own Carol Jones, VP, Finance and Admin for New, and my co-host, Carrie Ann Gomez, VP, Strategic Value at New. And today we're talking about, okay, how do we demystify financial statements, the P&L, the balance sheet, the cash flow, and, and what is the importance of bringing women and people of color into the positions that give them that financial knowledge and experience. And I'm going to hand it back over to Carrie Ann. Yeah, th- thanks so much, Sarah. Yeah, as we were talking, it struck me that when I think back on my career, uh, there weren't a lot of women uh, or women of, or even women of color in 
PL roles. And I think this might be the most female PL leaders I've ever been with. So, um, I'm it, curious, right? I'm curious yeah. what, what are you uh, what what are you seeing in your companies? Val, what are you seeing? Uh, well, actually, all three of my big businesses are led by women. <laughs> And they're Way to uh, go, so Campbell's. Much over, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much over a billion dollars. And I tell you what, I had the great fortune of working alongside incredible leaders like Irene Rosenfeld, you know, who uh, split Mondelez and Kraft and some other really incredibly strong women that were running business units um, throughout my career. So I've been really fortunate. And as you know, I'm trying to play that forward and, and support other women to do that Absolutely. as well. I love that. Oh, I'm very similar to you with my team being majority women. Um, and I have been asking for some more male diversity. Um, because I guess overall for me, it's about like that diversity of perspective is just yeah. so key in being Absolutely. able to manage the PL. Like, I, you know, we talk about those making those decisions, you're making them off a set of assumptions. You know, how will people react? If I make this change to price, how will people react if I make this change to the offering? Um, and so having different people with different backgrounds helps you not miss things for how people will react. And I think when you think about some of the really poor assumptions that companies have made in the past, I won't name any names, but you often could attribute that to not having someone in the room to bring up that viewpoint. And like to counter an assumption that's being made. Absolutely. So I'm I'm a big, big proponent. And yeah, how can we keep getting and building more of that? I'd love to know it, to build on to build on Molly's point, there's evidence that when you have a diverse team that oh, is yeah. working together well, highly functioning, your business results are better. In fact, yeah. I just read an article that organizations fared better through COVID. With a, that had more female leaders and, and just overall a diverse team with different perspectives, right? Different experiences, different leadership styles, um, you know, different approaches to the business. The results are always better. Yeah. Carol, you, were, Carol, you and I were chatting uh, about your experience as you were uh, as you were moving up in your career, and we had this conversation. If you can see her, be her. And in your career, you didn't see a lot of people that look like you. And and Carol's a, a black woman. And we, she talk about, tell me that story. That's absolutely right. I mean, I can totally relate to when I started my career and some of the larger organizations, uh, some of the opportunities that I, you know, was interested in, I wasn't even considered, you know, or to be an option. So, um, I didn't have the strong, uh, you know, mentorship that I've, I've built as I've gotten through my career further. I feel like now I've got some really strong mentors. I've got people lifting me up and as well as, you know, and I try to return the favor. I try to lift others up as well. Uh, it's extremely important to me to make sure that we have diverse perspectives. So to Molly's point, and Sarah knows this, we have a male starting in our group on Monday <laughs> and you know, that gives us a, a great mm -hmm. amount of diversity with our, within our small team. We need to make sure that we are having those diverse perspectives, a fresh set of eyes, if you will. Um, and that's exactly what new needs, because we need to uh, be the change that we want to see in the workplace. And we know that we can't, yeah. you know, women can't be successful without the men. So we're intentional about making sure that we have men in our organization. Um, to get their perspective and to help lift each other up as well. I love that, Carol. I feel like just building off that, one of the things that I was thinking about coming into this panel was what what makes a good PL owner? Um, and I think that as I thought about those characteristics, some of them feel and seem more like traditionally male and some more traditionally female. Um, and so I think it's really about like having those people on the team that bring all of those different aspects so that you get that well-roundedness. Like I think, you know, when I think about a good PL manager, 
they have an ownership mentality. Like they are treating this business like it was the, um, the restaurant that they're running on their corner alone. They're treating that budget like it's their personal budget. And I think that they, they come in with determination to impact like all the different parts. They don't think of themselves as just needing to drive one line or one part of the, of the P&L, but they're thinking about it really holistically. And then to go to some things that I think of as like super, you know, more female probably um, thought of um, characteristics, not to, not to box anyone in, but um, I think creativity is so huge to P&L management because there is, it, there's so many problems that come up and it's those creative solutions that help you differentiate from the industry. And then it's like a listening teamwork, humility, um, listening to all your other partners, teamwork, like pulling all those people together and the experts and then humility to admit when you've done things wrong, which we all will. Yeah. So, so totally agree with all of you that, you know, women will be successful, right? In this type of a role and, and, and owning this pivotal tool for a business. But most women don't think they can do it. They're afraid of it. Or even more sadly, their bosses aren't encouraging them. You know, it, it, Carrie Ann, you shared this awesome study from Working Mother Media, and it talks about how men are three times more likely to be encouraged by their boss to gain that PL knowledge or to take that role. So I'm 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 a female leader. I'm sitting here. How do I gain this knowledge? I know all three of you have your MBAs, which is one, one way to do it. Not always quick and easy, but in the context of my company, I want to get PL knowledge. How do I do it? My boss isn't encouraging me. How do I do it? Well, I, you know, I'd love to chime in. Um, so if your boss isn't encouraging, that's, that's really disappointing. <laughs> but like all right, of us. Right. So leaders, leaders do that, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have a few thoughts about this. Uh, you need to own your own career. And I'll share a story. I was, look, I'll, I was leading Mondelez Sales. It was an amazing job, $6 billion business across two countries. You know, oh gosh, I think at the time, thousands and thousands of people. And I went to my boss at the time and I said, I want to lead the business. I want to own it. I want to run the full P&L. I've spent, you know, the last 15 years owning a segment of it. And I really, truly want to run the business. And it was actually technically like a step down right? uh, from a salary grade yeah. perspective. And Risk, I said, right? I, I don't care. It's not about the, the, the salary grade. It's not about the promotion. I want to fully own the PL. So you need to ask for it. That's it. Period. Just end of story. Yep. Ask for it. And then you need to own it. And what I loved what Molly was saying because about ownership and it's so true. And what I find that where females tend to um, kind of almost undermine themselves is they, mm-hmm. they understand it, but they don't necessarily want to own it. And that's what, what this is about. This is about owning the business. This is about being accountable to your decisions. Okay. Yeah. And that's what we need. We need women to be okay taking those risks that being okay with those outcomes and, and being okay with building the business, building the people, building the brands and being on the forefront of that. And, and a lot of, unfortunately, I do see women tend to shy away from, you know, kind of taking those risks and leading through and really being the one on the hot seat, right? Cause when you make a commitment, you make a decision to shift resources you're in the hot seat. And so, you yeah. know, there's, it doesn't always yeah. go right. <laughs> so you have to be courageous yeah. enough to understand what your assumptions were, own the outcome with your boss, your leader, and, and then say, look, this is what we learned and here's how we're pivoting. And that's the piece. It's not just about the understanding of it. It's how do we continue to build that leadership, that courage, that ability to take risks? How do we support women into these roles? And it's, a lot of it is about focusing on their learning agility, not just experience. It's right. supporting them through these right. pivotal yeah. career moves, right? It's like it's that's this cross-functional piece I can't emphasize enough. 
for women to take those risks and go into jobs, be uncomfortable, be comfortable with the uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Be comfortable not knowing everything. We will never it, know everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, poor, I don't know everything. Poor, yeah. I know, but, right? Poor Carol. Surround yourself with people. <laughs> poor Carol. I always say to her, I'm nervous when you're not nervous, right? <laughs> to your very point, Val, because it's like when you understand, you know, and particularly, hey, in these last two years, not a very easy period of time to navigate. Like when you understand how things could go bad and how bad they could go and you have to make those tough decisions. It, it, I'm worried when you're not worried, Carol. Sorry. <laughs> it struck me as you were talking that, you know, as you're looking, as you're more junior in your career, that um, you it is actually easier to own that smaller portion of your project management budget. If you make the deal and say, hey, I'll hit I'll hit the numbers as long as I have control within my portion. Right. You, it actually gives right. you a lot more leeway than just saying, oh, this is what we agreed to. And, and you must do exactly what we said. And that doesn't give you decision making leeway. If you're willing to take on the, the revenue and the, the, ex, the expense side of it and be accountable to just to hit your numbers, then you have the decision making in front of it. And Carol, you you and I chat about this all the time. I, I mean, share your you know, oh, what are yeah. I mean, what Val said resonated so much with me. I mean, it's in some of the networks I'm associated with on the accounting front and on the MBA, MBA side. I tell them, hey, be prepared to fail fast. So because, you know, no one's perfect. <laughs> Failures, right. You need to embrace those, but know how to turn that around and move move past it. Because I think sometimes you have to get past that first failure to know that, you know what, I'm not perfect. I do make mistakes, but how am I going to turn these lemons into lemonade, as I like to say? Um, you know, and I, and I think how you do that is by asking questions, having a mentor, talking to leaders who are saying, look, you know what, how did you handle the situation in your career? And I tell some of my colleagues and some of my uh, folks in the networks I'm in, if you want to be a shero in your organization, you have to step outside of your comfort zone, just like Val was saying. If you're afraid of numbers, one of the biggest challenges that I've become more comfortable with as a leader is being able to explain financial information to yeah. non-financial people. Mm -hmm. And once you can do that successfully and you have someone who's never, you know, had a PL in their life managed, say, you know what, I understand what you said and I have these questions. To me, that's what success looks like. And that's what you as a person can say, I want to do that. I want to be able to take something that I'm not comfortable with or that I don't really understand right now, figure out, get the tools you need to, to own it, and then, you know, apply that knowledge by seeing if you can bring someone else along who doesn't quite know the numbers, you know. And so that's one of the most fulfilling aspects of my job. And we have a large board of almost 20 people who have different backgrounds. They're leaders or CEOs. They've got some awesome experience. And some of them, you know, we, we include them on some of my committees because of the fact that they are not financial gurus. And that's where I think you get the one plus one equals three when you can bring that mix of talent together and really make something special. I love so, that. Go I was just going to say, Molly, it, it, so we talked about, okay, what do you do? And Val's like, hey, boss up, like, go find it, educate yourself, you know, go meet with the finance department and have them give you a crash course. But what can like organizational leaders do? Like, like what, and I'm sure Kraft Heinz, it's, they practice what we preach at new. What are they doing to encourage and make sure this is happening? Yeah. Oh, that's a question. So some of the things that we're doing, we, we view it as kind of like the full funnel piece. You know, are we getting people in at the beginning? And so we've really overhauled our um, where we're looking for hiring from saying like, oh, hey, everyone who's at the top today, where did you go to school? Or, you know, where'd you come from? Let's hire there to saying, no, 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 no. Let's get a much broader you know, different people with different diversities of schools and things like that into that pipeline. And then we talk about, you know, rooting out once you, so when you get, you start recruiting, now when you get to interviewing or you get to promotions or you get to discussions on performance, we spend a lot of time as a company working on how do we root out any bias in those different steps? Yeah. Because it's easy to, you know, to, to say this is, you know, this is a different behavior. This makes me uncomfortable. This isn't, you know, how I would do things. 
and to then place that as being negative. But sometimes that's just what you need. Um, and so that's something that we've all, it's a requirement for everyone involved in recruiting. And then we take another um, rooting out bias course again before we do um, like performance appraisals where we talk about next moves. And it's something where we make sure everyone is required to refresh on it before um, and encouraged to like to call those things out. So that's kind of like from that pipeline perspective. And then from a training perspective, you know, I think that it's about saying, okay, how can I create those opportunities for people to opt into? And that's kind of what led us as a company to really have that corporate partnership with New um, and, you know, these other organizations to help support and provide, you know, those networks and those trainings um, and those different avenues for people to feel comfortable raising their hand. Val, what are, what's Campbell's doing? Well, I think similar, I guess, areas I would uh, just build is, um, you know, making sure we have a diverse candidate slate, um, you know, represented as we fill roles. We're focused a lot on building the right culture to make sure it's high performance, inclusive, and diverse, and that we're creating an atmosphere where individuals have the psychological safety to take these risks and make these pivotal career moves and feel supported when things don't necessarily go right. And we are taking examples where we've made quick decisions where things didn't go right and celebrating them to create an environment where, you know, Carol, you said you can fail fast at a recent council. We celebrated an innovation that um, we decided quickly to to end. (laughs) And we celebrated the team you know, yeah. for making the decision, seeing seeing what was coming on the horizon. And so I think, you know, continuing to create that, um, you know, the right culture. I, I talk about making sure you have the diversity of individuals and then that they have a seat at the table and then their voices are heard as well. And, and you know, so you have the representation, but you also need to make sure their voices are heard um, and, it's, you know, I do believe a lot of it is around this risk. And some of you may have heard, I love one of my favorite quotes is, a head full of fears has no place for dreams. And if we continue to unlock the ability for individuals to thrive and feel safe and take risks, I think the potentials are limitless. I love that. I love also kind of like owning your mistakes or your wrong assumptions as something. I like this idea of like something you can celebrate or something, you know, that that you learn from. I think one of the times in my career, I remember thinking like, I'm going to get fired because my sales were down. My profit was down. I was like, they are going to have, you know, lost all the trust in me. And instead, I ended up getting a promotion and I was like floored because I was like, well, the business isn't doing well. I didn't fix the p I didn't fix all of it. And the feedback was like, well, you kept trying new things and you would fail fast and you would change and then you would try oh something gosh. different. I love it. Amazing. <laughs> Shock. I think especially as a woman, you know, like we don't want to do that. <laughs> I I hate that term curiosity. No, that is so outdated, right? Curiosity is what makes businesses grow and what makes it successful. Um, And even in our alignment meetings, I tell Sarah, we require our team members to come to our alignment meetings with questions, whatever they may be. We want to make sure we're not just having a, you know, a, a staff meeting that's just very methodical. We want to make sure that we're solving problems and that we're being collaborative to get the solutions that are going to help move us forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, 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 yeah, it's that, you know, come with solutions, right? To your point, Molly, and, and, and that's what, you know, you probably repeatedly, you know, demonstrated because as we've learned in the last two years, you can't predict anything. Like, it, I have to say, if, if there was a, a financial leader that was hitting their forecast 100% of the time, is that good or bad? <laughs> right? Like, I can't decide. <laughs> You know, because it, 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 you need to push yourself and challenge yourself and then and have those learnings. And that's what really drives you and, and shapes you. Um, the other thing I was just sitting here thinking of, 
and, and, and it gets back to exactly what, you know, Molly and, and Val, you've just shared is that, you know, as an organization, as a leader, you need to be presenting equal opportunity and equal training and education, whether it's a male or a female or a leader who's white or of color, you know, et cetera. Diversity needs to be given equal opportunity. And when you look at like Corey Berry, right, CEO of Best Buy, it was Hubert, you know, Hubert Jolie, the prior CEO who took her under his wing, and she was the CFO, and he groomed her. Um, Michelle Buck, CEO of Hershey, and I'm sadly forgetting the name of the prior CEO there, but he again took her under his wing and groomed her, and she was on, you know, probably more the operations side of the house, which is still very data driven, right? But it's as as leaders and as companies, we have to step up and give equal opportunity, equal education and development and training to women. And, and we know, as you've all shared so well today, you know, having that, that financial knowledge and experience is going to set you up for success, you know, longer term in your career. Um, so I want to, I want to thank you again. Is there any like final parting quick 30 second pearl of wisdom you want to share? Carol, how about you? Let's start with you. Um, I'm just encouraged and inspired, and I'm just hoping that our listeners out there are inspired as well by what we're talking about and recognizing and embracing how important it is to step up in your career. And as Val said, if your boss is not supporting you, then you need a new boss or you need to be the boss. Um, So go for it and don't be discouraged. Awesome. We got to close. I'm so sorry. Every show we need two hours. So um, Carrie Ann, Molly, Val, Carol, thank you so much. I want to thank everybody who listened in today. And again, thank you to our incredible guests for sharing your perspectives and advice. I want to thank Voice America for giving me and new the opportunity to share our voice and mission with all of you. Join us next week and you're going to hear about how to be a more impactful male ally. To learn more about New and listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.